Uh, we are presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. Eric Allen joined by ESPN's Field Yates. Field, a lot of exciting things happening for you. Congratulations on your new addition to the family. Yeah, so the uh, first, would it be a draft pick or a free agent <laughs> signing in the NFL offseason took place actually during divisional round weekend. So my wife and I welcomed a baby girl, which has been amazing. It's been fulfilling. Uh, I was proud to announce my retirement from sleep about six weeks ago. So uh, we are running on caffeine and uh, the hope and promise of what these prospects here at the Combine are going to bring to NFL teams soon enough. What's her name? Uh, Kinley. Okay. Kinley Yates. So uh, my wife and I each have fairly unique names. We yes. felt this responsibility that we had to sort of think of something we had not previously heard of ourselves. So uh, after about, I don't know, six months of agonizing over names, we finally decided upon one. And once we did, we were like, not only are we done, we're not telling a single soul because if somebody, if somebody hears the name and either tells us, oh, that's my cousin's name, or I don't like that name, or I love that, we, we don't want to be influenced. So six months of debate, figure it out, move on. That was the way to go by not telling anybody. Yeah. I have a two and a half year old, a Grace, and we didn't tell anybody beforehand. Yep. In fact, after she was born, we were thinking that we were going to name her, her something leading up to the birth and then yeah. she came out and I started calling her Gracie and then we stuck with that. See, I, we talked, we talked about that. Is it like, what if she comes out and we're like, this is not a Kinley. And then we're like, <laughs> you know something? Don't let that thought cross into your mind. She's Kinley fixed done. Uh, if we have to order six monogrammed items before she's born, just so we can't change our minds and make ourselves feel more responsible. We will do exactly that. All right. So let's transition to some football yeah. here right now. How much have you enjoyed doing the first draft podcast with the best there are in in terms of evaluating draft prospects over the years and Mel Kuyper, a legend, and then yeah. Todd McShay. Yeah, I love doing it for a lot of reasons. But I tell people, and I, I was talking about this with Mel actually on his radio show recently, is that there's nobody at ESPN that cares as much and is as passionate about the specific area that they cover as Mel and Todd are about the NFL draft. They eat, sleep, and breathe NFL draft coverage 365 days a year. I joked with Mel that I could ask Mel to do a podcast only on defensive back prospects that went to Washington State, and he would have, over the course of his 38 years of doing this, probably 40 names that come to mind. He is unbelievably unparalleled in terms of his knowledge and his reference points. And then Todd... Sometimes when you have someone who takes over a similar role or that identical role to you, but comes in a little bit later than you, it creates a dynamic of competition. And yet Mel and Todd have this tremendous respect for each other. And I think the roots of that are that Mel knows just how much Todd puts into what he does every single day. And Todd has the vantage point of having played the game himself at the college level and has so much that he can offer, not just as an evaluator, but because he's also a college football sideline reporter, he's tapping into sources throughout the fall that help him know more about these people, these players as people, and not just what you see on film. Because as we all know, the evaluation is not simply what you do on Saturdays. It's what you do on Saturdays, but also how you carry yourself, the kind of individual you are, because that football character is in some cases just as important as the football ability. Right. Uh, the information is key, but I also love that the entertainment that oh, you guys bring the to banter. the table because you can tell everybody's enjoying themselves. Yes, you eat and drink and sleep football. Yeah. With But with that being said, you, you guys are out there having a good time. I always tell people, like, I, I am always open to hearing 
uh, hey, like less of you, like if someone said less of you, meaning me field, like I'm happy to hear that because my my primary objective in that show is to stay out of the way. You're the point guard. Uh, I'm ju- I just <laughs> I, I was I try to open the show and say here are the two people that people actually care right. about listening to Mel and Todd. So let's get right into their insights. Uh, on occasion, I will add a piece of context here or there, but mostly just uh to be a point guard, a traffic cop, whatever term you want to use. So the New York Jets, the key offseason is underway. Yeah. Before we start talking about the draft, how about free agency, the tampering period, legal tampering period, which is an oxymoron, <laughs> uh, begins March 14th and yeah. free agency begins March 16th. The Jets have plenty of cap space. What do you think they have to do in free agency even before we get to the draft? Yeah, it's always interesting that the NFL, which is different than, as an example, the NBA, has the draft after free agency. And so when we discuss the draft, everything has to kind of be put on hold or at least has to be you have to sort of earmark it and say, hey, this is what we think in March 1st. But three weeks from now, on March 22nd, the Jets could have spent $100 million guaranteed in on free agency and they may have filled five needs. Right. That no longer are needs after those players are signed in free agency. But um, what I would say uh, specifically as far as Jets and the Jets and sort of addressing some of those top needs in free agency is, and I know this is like probably not as exciting to fans as the prospects of acquiring, you know, whoever the best players are in free agencies. You always have to start with the business in-house, right? Mm-hmm. You have to decide which players that are pending free agents are guys that are going to stay, guys that are going to go, guys that are maybe extension eligible that you need to take care of. So you go through the roster and whether it's somebody like Braxton Berrios coming off of an all-pro season as a returner, do you want to bring him back? I would imagine there's interest in bringing a guy back who played really well for them last season, gave him a spark in the kicking game, and then it's deciding what kind of market do you anticipate him having? Having What are you willing to uh, – how are you budgeting for him? Uh, and then also other guys that – whether it's a Jamison Crowder who is uh, – just days away from the three-year contract you signed with the Jets being being over amongst other guys on offense. And then defensively, it's evaluating players, not just what they bring to the field, but medically. You know, Marcus May, obviously a mm-hmm. guy who was a franchise tag player just a year ago. Where is he at after that Achilles tear? Is he going to be a guy that's ready to play at the beginning of the season? What's his forecast looking like? So always oh, start with the in-house stuff. Yeah. Moving on, because I think fans are more excited about, you know, the, the, the big money, big ticket items that you can afford uh, in free agency is – if guys reach the open market, you have to ask yourself, is there a reason why this player was not kept by his incumbent team? If he's so spectacular of a talent, why is he available? And in the people open often market? forget that. Yeah. And, and, and when and, we're going through this process. <laughs> and there's no doubt that players can reach free agency and be extremely valuable to their new team. We just saw a team and the Rams win the Super Bowl and some of their best players include a guy like Andrew Whitworth, who was a free agent and mm-hmm. You know, he was an elder, who's an older offensive tackle, but he showed that age apparently is just a number, right? He still played at a high level. Robert Woods, who got hurt in the middle of the season, but that was a guy that they signed as a free agent for the Buffalo Bills. Like, there are guys that, that reach free agency and are really, really good players, but then you find other teams that make investments or other situations where a team makes an investment and you say, uh, oh, maybe maybe that's the reason why that uh, the incumbent team was not as motivated to keep him. But just zooming out and examining some of the needs for the Jets, you know, I think after year one of Zach Wilson, there are reasons to be optimistic. There are also reasons to understand that like the more you can do around him will be 
maybe not as important as Zach's personal development, but certainly important and a way to help him be in a better position this upcoming season. So I think the wide receiver room has some interesting pieces. Mm-hmm. Certainly we saw the emergence of Elijah Moore, who was really, really good uh, when he was on the field. Uh, seems like the kind of guy that should be close to an every down player. And I would think plays an even more prominent slot role this upcoming year than he did this past season when he and Jamison were kind of trading snaps there, Corey Davis. Uh, but then beyond that, like, is, is there room for another wide receiver? I'd imagine Jets fans are probably clamoring for another wide receiver or maybe even another tight end who could make, yeah. you know, a, a bigger impact. And then assessing which players are available there. Um, I know it always becomes easy when we're talking about the Jets with Joe Douglas as the GM to just fall back on he's going to find a bunch of offensive linemen or defensive linemen because he was a former offensive lineman himself. And I'm sure they'll be monitoring those markets, but I do think this could be an off season where the jets sort of targets and focus extends just beyond the big guys up front, because they probably understand that like on offense, a couple more playmakers will go a long way. And I thought the secondary played better down the stretch, but adding a little bit, there's so much youth there that maybe a combination of youth plus experience could go a long way uh, in sort of taking that group to the next level. WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $500 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. What did you make of Wilson his rookie year? And you're looking at the landscape of the AFC. Wow, there are some quarterbacks. You got Josh Allen inside the division, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, we saw what Joey Burrow did with Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I thought that there were uh, plenty of re- like, there were a lot, enough reasons to understand why this was the number two overall pick in the draft. Flashes of confidence, flashes of unique talent, flashes of major upside. Uh, consistency is always going to be something you watch closely with rookies because it's their first time in the NFL, and more often than not, they are inconsistent. Uh, I thought Zach, you know, certainly early in the year, there were some games where you're thinking to yourself, "All right, these are rookie moments, right?" Yeah. And it's the determining factor about his long-term value is going to be what does he learn from those or do they persist as problems? And it seemed like by the end of the season, the confidence was was, was way up. I don't think Zach lacks confidence in general, uh, but on the field, you're continuing to do the right things. Um, and then also, uh, it, are you doing the things that no matter how big or strong or, or athletic you are, you're protecting yourself, you're protecting the football, you're making good decisions consistently. And it seemed like that picked up towards the end of the year. Uh, I have something coming out on ESPN.com soon and about predicting starters for this upcoming year at the quarterback spot. And my takeaway, obviously, in the Jets is it's Zach Wilson. Yeah. I'm optimistic. Um, but I think that his development will not just be about him, but just to go back to that point a second ago is that like Zach Wilson may look different with you know, an offensive line that could be beefed up this offseason or maybe has Mekhi Becton back in the fold next year at left to right tackle. Um, and then also a couple more playmakers that, you know, Corey Davis missed a good amount of time at the end of the season. Like him having his guys will go a long way towards his development. You mentioned Elijah Moore, uh, five touchdowns in 11 games. Yeah. Michael Carter was selected in the fourth round. He yep. led the team in rushing. Joe Douglas really nailed a 2021 draft class where you probably could say the floor is it's a good class. Now, if Wilson takes the next step, this potentially could be an excellent, great class. Yeah, Oliver Tucker, obviously, was yep. a great guard and all-rookie all team and uh, a player that 
you moved up from 23 to 14, 14. to get. And I remember when that trade took place, they leapt ahead of New England, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. at 15. Yep. And you're like, okay, when you leap ahead of a team, uh, when you when you make a trade up and you're like, oh, they must be leaping ahead of the team that's on the clock next. Now, didn't seem, you know, New England, I don't think that Jets obviously weren't trading up for a quarterback. So you're like, maybe the Jets forecasted that whether it's somebody at 16, 17, or 18, that like you can't wait any longer. And you got to find someone to trade up with. So um, the draft class was strong. It doesn't surprise me that it was a good one. And then what a unique opportunity they have this year. Four picks in the top 38 and, you know, two in the top 10. I don't know how often we see that. Obviously, we have the Giants in that boat as well. Very unique circumstances. Yeah, especially both say, teams in New York, right? Say it's an all New York draft to begin. It feels like we should throw the draft back at Radio City Music Hall. I, I love it. Uh, but yeah, this seems like a, a pivotal year for them to uh, take a big leap. I think there's opportunity to do exactly that. Um, so you mentioned the draft capital. Yep. Two picks in the top 10. You got number four overall. You yep. got number 10. You have four picks in the top 38. What do you make? from a macro level of this draft class because people are saying feels a little bit different up top, yep. but the value is really going to be there in the second, third and fourth rounds. Yeah, that that's true. And I think that, and I, I think that it's important to be honest with assessments about the draft because it's not personal. It's just, it's a statement of fact. And this is a good year to not need a quarterback if you're picking at the top and the Jets obviously don't need one of those. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're a team inside the top 10 that needs a quarterback, like this may not be the draft where you're looking to, to find one because it just isn't last year. There were five quarterbacks taken in the top 15. And I think if you went back and did this draft over last year, I think all five of them are going in at least the top 15, right? If not top 10. Right. Um, so, and, and there will probably be a quarterback or two or maybe even three from this year's class that are all pretty good players. But we have seen examples where, you know, the parallel has been drawn to that 2014 draft class. It was 2013, excuse me, uh, 2014. Um, the years all blend together at this point, don't they? Uh, the year which EJ Manuel was the first quarterback yes. taken. Yeah. Uh, he went to the Bills in the middle of the first round. And everybody kind of said, like, this is not a great first round for quarterbacks. And. That was the case. It right. wasn't, you know, it would end up being a draft that does not did not produce a guy that was, you know, a five or eight or ten year starter. And that's that's okay. These drafts do exist. Um, it's a great draft for pass rushers. Uh, I think it's a they, there are some interesting, unique impact players in that top ten that maybe you know, like safety is not necessarily this group that's chock full of, you know four first round picks, but there's one that's kind of a unicorn in Kyle Hamilton. I, I, I Listen, a lot of Jets fans get nervous when you say safety yeah. up there, but why is that guy a special player and how could he be a good fit potentially in this defense? Yeah, I'm not saying that we need to totally get rid of the idea of drafting every position in the top five and having it be like a, a flawed position. Right. Um, sometimes it's it's just the right thing. As a matter of fact, I remember my first year with the Kansas City Chiefs when I was working as a scouting Grunt, basically, we had the fifth overall pick in the draft. And it was the first year that Scott Peel was the general manager, and people were trying to use past perform or past behavior to sort of predict future behavior. And they said, oh, there's no way Scott Peel came from the Patriots. They'd never taken a, a safety that high. And you just generally don't see that, a safety going that high. And the fifth pick, we ended up taking on Eric Berry, who went on to become you know one of the most coveted rookies right away, was an impact player, well, maybe our best, you know, one of our best defensive players from the moment he arrived, changed our defense, went on to sign a massive extension, was one of the highest paid safeties ever. I think he may have actually been the highest paid safety at the time he got his long-term deal. And so, like, yeah, like, there is evidence that you can go and find that unique piece. And I think the safety spot in the NFL today is important for a lot of reasons. It always is, but it's important because we are seeing some of the 
tight ends. Like we're seeing not a ton, but we're seeing, you know, it's not just sort of Travis Kelsey and everybody else. You've got Travis Kelsey, you've got George Kittle, you've got Mark Andrews, you've got Darren Waller, you've got some of these pieces in the middle of the field that if you get, I mean, think about the division you play. And as of right now, at least you've got Mike Kosicki in Miami, who's going to yeah. be a free agent, but still uh, could be franchise tagged. Dawson Knox, really good young player for the Bills. Patriots yeah, really have a two-tight end attack. Out last yeah, year. totally. Yep. Uh, Hunter Henry had an exceptional season for the Patriots. Like, you got to have a guy in the middle of the field that can help you deter those guys a little bit. And Kyle Hamilton, six foot four, two hundred and twenty pounds. And I'm saying that before he's actually officially weighed in at the combine. Yeah. So if he comes in at you know six three and a half, we're not going to hold you to it. Yep. <laughs> but um, there's going to be one play every year. There's a couple prospects who have like a play that uh, shines through is like the one you see 50 times uh, in the pre-draft process. And I think you'll see the play from Kyle Hamilton. It was one of the first games of the 2021 season, Florida State, Florida State where he must run 40 yards laterally. I mean, it's one of those plays where it almost felt like he heard the play call and couldn't give up the fact that he was going to be moving to where the ball was thrown. But, just a uh, sort of a master class in timing and anticipation and instincts and athletic ability. And so I think you'll see that play run over and over and over again. It's just a reminder that not too many players, if any of his uh, size in this class can move like he does. So really unique guy. Uh, if he's not off the board at four, put it this way, I would be surprised if he's still there at pick 10. Right. Um, assuming the medicals check out because he'd have a knee injury. So assuming that's the case, like, he might be one of those guys that uh, if you bypass him at four by 10, he'll be somebody else's first round pick. Uh, Jets got some really good value on day three of the draft with those defenders last year. Yeah. When you're talking about Brandon Eccles comes in from Kentucky, yep. two interceptions, a lot of PDs. Bryce Hall really made a jump in his second season. His yep. next step is obviously to take the ball away, but he was among the league leaders at pass defenses. You got, Michael Carter, who's going to fill that nickel role for a long time here for the Jets, you would figure. Uh, I wanted to ask you about one of the top cornerbacks in this draft, Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati, because I think at the end of this week, a lot of people are going to be even talking about him more. Really unique guy. Uh, Extremely tall, long, athletic. Straight line speed is there. Uh, Confidence is through the roof. He's a player that I think believes that he is, and I say this, in a way that's like endearing, like I, it's, it's a positive. I think yeah. he believes he's better than the player who opposite, who's opposite of him in a good way. There's that swagger. There's that mindset. Um, and normally I talk about how cornerbacks need to have a short memory because you're going to get burned every once in a while. And you got to be like a batter who goes over three and then comes up with the bases loaded on that fourth at bat and says, I'm hitting the home run, right? You got to be that as a defensive back. Um, Sauce didn't have to worry about that very much in college. Uh, he did not allow a touchdown as a primary defender in coverage, which I know some people will say those primary coverage stats can be a little bit subjective, but the bottom line is that if there were big plays led up by Cincinnati, rarely was Sauce Gardner around them. Uh, a lot of confidence, a lot of swagger. Um, to my knowledge, no major red flags right. coming into this week, yeah. so uh, nothing I'm aware of that would make him um, – someone you don't expect to see called very high, very soon in the draft process. So I anticipate he'll go very high. Um, 
He and Derek Stingley Jr. from LSU are the two players that are often regarded as the top two cornerbacks uh, in this year's class. So I think there's a chance that you'll see one of those two uh, as the first cornerback. And I think if I had to make a bet right now, it would be Sauce Gardner. But that's the beauty of the next <laughs> not quite two months, but almost two months. How do you separate some of these top offensive linemen? Uh, Iki Kwanu yeah. out of NC State. You yep. got Evan Neal out of Alabama. And yep. Charles Cross, a guy from Mississippi State, is getting a lot of love recently. Yep. Three hard to beat. Uh, these three as a you know trio at the top. Um, Evan Neal is massive. He's got you know he's we don't see too many Mackay Becton level size players, but uh, he's not quite as as, as physically imposing as Mackay Becton, but not that far off. He's six foot. Again, these are all pre pre combine measures, sure. but six seven three fifty. He's a just a behemoth. Uh, moves freakishly. Just crazy movement for a guy that should. Probably not. He, he, I don't even know how he does half the stuff that he does. Somebody was showing me he was doing a split squad or something yeah, like he that. Did, he did that, one viral before yeah, the yeah. season. Yeah, he's impressive. So very good athlete. Played three different positions in college. Started three different spots each of his years at Alabama. So he's got versatility. Nikki Aquanu from North Carolina State is a bully, and I mean that in a good way. Just wants to knock the snot out of you. Had a, just an incredible rise over the past couple of years at NC State. Really unique story. His twin brother played at, plays at Notre Dame. Uh, father was a basketball player, six foot six. He's a doctor now. So, uh, the kids got the athletic, the size and, and, and some of the smarts as well from their dad, which is pretty cool. Uh, neat family they've got. Um, but just, I think he wants to take your soul, not just, you know, protect his quarterback. And then Charles Cross is just one of those where it's just sort of clean. Yeah. It's just kind of not a lot of negative plays on tape. He's outstanding in pass protection, maybe the best in the group in terms of pass protection, uh, played in a unique offense. I mean, they throw the ball a million times a year at Mississippi State. So, and it's, it's a lot of it is empty. It's not like you're getting help from the running back. You're not getting a chip from the tight end. It's you and it's only you. And um, really super impressed by all three of them. I am holding back on assessing exactly how I think they uh, stack up one, two, three. I think that right now, because I think there's a lot left, I think probably general consensus is that you've got Nikki Kwanu and and Evan Neal in like tier one. Charles Cross might be like tier one and a half, but uh, three good guys that um, wouldn't surprise me if the Jets decide to go, if they decide to use one of those two picks on an offensive tackle, I'd imagine that one of those three would be one of them. And and speaking of first draft, Mel Kuyper has the Jets taking Tyler Lindenbaum out of Iowa with that 10th overall selection. He's going to crush this combine. He is just an absolute freak athlete. Uh, played at Iowa, best center in the country this past year. Remington winner, which best center in the country is awarded that. Uh, he he just sort of checks all the boxes. Good size, unbelievable athlete. He's got a wrestling background, tough. Iowa's had a million offensive linemen come through the league. He'll be the one million and one, th- one, one million and first, or what the <laughs> would be, one million and first offensive lineman. Um, Solid, no nonsense, tough, young, you know, true, uh, true junior coming out. Uh, I don't think he's going to have to wait long. And I know that, uh, you know, some people think that these interior offensive linemen, you can debate the merits of using a top 10 pick on them. It's almost like the safety position that you just covered before. Like a lot of people say you can't take a a center early. I say, why not? I mean, I'm not saying for the Jets. I'm just saying for any team, if you like that prospect enough. You'd take them, wouldn't you? Yeah. So, I mean, listen, the Jets used a 14th overall pick on a guard last year. How do they feel about, you know, AVT has been one of the best players in the roster already, right? So um, if you're convicted, it's worth it. So Linderbaum, I think, will be an early – he will hear his name early as well. 
WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. Early thoughts on the edge prospects. Everybody's talking about the depth, yeah. which right. we saw down in Mobile, Alabama. The Jets had the good fortune of coaching yeah. the national team down there. And there were a lot of guys who popped, but you're going to get even uh, more of that group here in Indianapolis. Yeah. Great group. Uh, has the makings of a great group, I should say. At the top, you've got at least two that are really solid. Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, two guys that just – Physically unique, dominant in college. I mean, Hutchinson's last season was spectacular for Michigan. Plays with an edge to him. Thibodeau, you just don't find guys that are as wiry and athletic as he is. So really good edge class, but it goes beyond just those two players. David Ajabo, teammate of Aiden Hutchinson at Michigan, a really good player as well in his own right. So you're going to have all, you know, George Karloftis from Purdue, yeah. sort of a little bit of a wider range in terms of opinions right now, but another Big Ten pass rusher that's really, really good. Got actually in the Big Ten as well. Arlen Paquette, who played at Penn State, kid from Maryland originally, high school. Uh, he is another productive. You know, we see those Penn State pass rushers come every you know year or two. There's there's at least one of them that we're talking about. So, wouldn't surprise me if we have five, six, maybe seven pass rushers in the first thirty to thirty-five picks. Wow. really good class for that. And uh, I don't know a team in the NFL. I can't think of one off the top of my head that cannot use more depth at pass rusher. Yeah, and Jermaine Johnson included in the mix. And yeah, he's a guy who practiced twice in Mobile and said, I- "I'm good at this point." And yeah. he might have been the he might have been the best overall player down there. Phenomenal, phenomenal week for him. Florida State standout, unique athlete. They've had a lot of those as well, too, right? So uh, would not be surprised if he's amongst those five, six, seven guys that go in the first 30 or 35 picks. So what's your offseason looking like? A, a lot yeah, of family a lot duties. Of diapers. Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of diaper changing. And that's about as far as I'll go. Yeah, free agency around the corner here. So no uh, draft. You know, first draft takes care of my week uh, for a chunk of it and uh, just do my best to stay on top of all these prospects. You're doing an awesome job. I just Thank wanted you. to end with this. What do you think about the alignment with – Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. Now, this is Joe Douglas's third draft, but it feels more like the second year, doesn't it? Because Robert Sala was hired last January. Yeah, especially going back, I know that we're very much on the 2022, but one of the things I liked about the process last year was that, to my knowledge, and you can correct me if I've totally messed this up, messes up for a year, is that like there really wasn't a connection between Robert and Joe. This is just an authentic search. It's I'm going out there to find the person that I believe is the best coach for the Jets going forward. And I'm not saying that familiarity is bad. I think it's very useful. But in a league where so frequently the head coach and GM have this long-standing previous relationship, um, sometimes it's good to have two people that come from different minds and different backgrounds. Uh, Joe and Robert are going to learn on the fly together, learn more about each other. But I would say, speaking generally, Joe did a good job of finding young talents. We talked about the draft class. And then I thought that the improvement of the offensive line got much better from the start to the finish yeah. of last year. That the secondary got much better from the start to the finish of last year. Zach Wilson got much better from start to finish last year. Like that's a that's a coaching, right? That's that's you got the right people in place coaching them up. And uh, Jess didn't have a lot, if any, 
coaches have attrition this offseason. So you've got the same people, for the most part, guiding that growth from whether we want to call this year two together, year two and a half, or Joe Douglas in year two for Robert Sala. Uh, Field Yates crushing it all as always. We appreciate you stopping by. Uh, should we end with the scouting report from your Wesleyan days? Uh, slow, unathletic. <laughs> I was a great cheerleader from the bench. Um, anything else that stands out? No, not really. I think I might have had a special teams tackle or two. That's about it. Linebacker and tight end? Uh, I was a safety in, in college after a linebacker or tight end in high school. Okay. So, um, I, uh, inglorious. Inglorious career is how I would describe it. But it's a valuable part of my life to be a part of team, is what I've always said. So <laughs> appreciate your time. Right back to you. Thanks, Thanks for having bro. me on.